Hello and welcome to Game & Watch, the show where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we've been watching. I'm Aaron. And I'm James. And today we're talking about Evil Dead 2, the 1987 horror comedy directed and co-written by Sam Raimi. We sure are. And I, what a great day. What a beautiful, sunny Chicago day to talk about a, a, dark, a silly, dark horror silly. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, we're going daylight horror with this episode. We are. There is no time where horror is not appropriate. Yes. It's not just for Halloween. It's not just for October. It is a year round celebration of things that go bump in the night. Certainly. And things that uh, try to stab you in the back or strangle you. Or, or severed heads that fly in your face and laugh at you. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I first saw this movie in college along with the first Evil Dead. I watched them both like probably in a row. And I, then I watched Army of Darkness soon after. And I had kind of been very drawn to these films because of how like explicit they were right like i'm like it, it me in college i was trying to consume a lot of horror films but a lot of like this one was controversial for this reason and and etc but by by the time like you know the at least like the the 2000s approached and let me obviously things have come out since this movie that are way more violent now it's like almost kind of silly um, especially the first one, given how low of a budget it was and how kind of like fake graphic it is. Um, I think we might use the word silly a lot. In this we are episode. we are going to. And that is really becoming I mean, we said it up front. It's a horror comedy. Yeah. And I would exactly. argue, every time I watch it, I'm like, there is more comedy in this than there is horror. And I love that. It, it's like something I didn't quite think I needed when I first saw it, but just tickled me in every in, in, in all the best ways. And so, yeah, I, I, I saw the second one soon after the first, and I think I immediately liked it more than the first, even though I was much more in like a, I think overall I would have said I would have preferred a straight horror over a horror comedy, but this movie just, it really does hit everything I like I, I, without even me realizing that I liked it. If, if that makes any sense, like it's just exactly what I needed and what I need in my life. And it, it is one of my favorite horror movies ever. And I've seen it many times since. Um, yeah, it showed up when you least expected and or did not expect it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I uh, have a similar arc. I saw uh, Evil Dead 1, 2, and 3, or Army of Darkness, um, in college with some people. And that was really the only time I'd seen it. And uh, I kind of didn't get it at the time, especially back then when I was younger. I had more trouble with films or books or video games that did genre blending or mm. blended two genres that I didn't necessarily think could go together there. So I saw evil dead too. And I was like, this is silly. Like, I don't get it um, because the horror movies I was used to were, you know, more slasher things like that. And nightmare on Elm street, which I liked as a kid, but as a kid, I also like the humor of nightmare on Elm street escaped me. Like I just thought it was a scary movie with Freddy Krueger. Um, but watching uh, Evil Dead 2 this time, um, I get it. Like, I fully get it. I fully appreciate what they're going for. Whereas when I was younger, I was sort of put off by it. Mm -hmm. um, and the only thing that compelled me to revisit it in the years since were its amazing reputation and the sense that I had completely, like, not gotten the point. 
Um, I just hadn't gotten around to rewatching it until we did for this episode. When so when was the last time you saw it before what, oh, yesterday? It's been, uh, a decade? Yeah, more than that, yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah, and there were lots of like there were parts I like big parts I remembered, but a lot of the quiet, not quiet moments. This movie doesn't really have quiet moments, but some of the more uh subtle things that I, I missed, I appreciated this time. Nice, very nice. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. glad to hear that. Um I, I should add a little bit of like flavor to my Evil Dead history in general. I have also seen most of the Ash versus Evil Dead series. I, de- I never finished it. I have not seen the Evil Dead remake, or not, not really remake, but kind of the 2013 one. I saw Evil Dead Rise recently, and I've seen the Evil Dead musical, and the Evil Dead musical is delightful. Can we please camp on the Evil Dead musical for a minute? Sure. Have you seen it? No, I did not know there was one. Oh my gosh, it's it's incredible. It basically takes like a blend of the first two movies. Um, we'll get into like some of the differences between the first to this one and the first one because it's kind of necessary. But there's a larger cast of characters like the, in the first one as opposed to the beginning of this one. Um, but they yes. take stuff that happens in both, you know, and they, and they and they have a little bit of overlap with Army of Darkness as well. The music is just so catchy and fun. You can go on Spotify, I believe, and listen to the all cast recording. I might um, have to. It, it it's it's even better to be like there, but like I haven't seen it tour in a long time. I was very fortunate to catch it when it came through Chicago. I think it was originally a Canadian production. Um, but yeah, the music was delightful. It's obviously like an inappropriate like musical, you know. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. but also a lot body. lot of fake blood. I had to wear a poncho because um, oh of where we were sitting. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a blast. We we got some blood on us. That's incredible. Um, great time again like you're not you're not, if you listen to it I think you will like the the sound, songs in general but none of them are like you know gonna win any Tonys oh I mean hey that's fine as long as listen if you're getting blood splashed on you as part of the production the music could be on a kazoo for all I can <laughs> well that would be a little annoying yeah, but I, guess. <laughs> I, I think you're right overall yeah. Um, so let's 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 get into it. So this was I mean, we mentioned it was co-written by Sam Raimi. The other co-writer was Scott Spiegel. And I, I'm not really familiar with Scott Spiegel, um, Never but I think he was responsible for a lot of the comedy in this. Um, I, I I don't know. I don't know him very well, but personally or professionally. Looking him up. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of the reason this movie exists is because of the great success of the first one, but also because the movie that Raimi made before this crime wave was a absolute like failure at the box office and critically. And so Sam Raimi and Bruce, star of the film, the first film, Bruce Campbell and really the star of all of them. Uh, well, not all of them, the first three were encouraged to make a sequel Uh, because of the success of the first one and because Stephen King was such a huge fan of the first one he endorsed the second and brought to the attention of producers now do do we know sorry is this pre or post creep show uh I believe it is post well when evil dead 2 came out yeah I think I thought creep show was earlier in the 80s Okay, me, that makes sense. Because really Stephen King was doing Creep Show, Creep Show Two. He was also doing Maximum Ride. Like Stephen King was doing Maximum Overdrive. Or I'm sorry, Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, yep. he was doing a lot of movie things at this time, so that doesn't necessarily surprise me. Yeah, so Creep Show was 1982, which I okay. think was the year after Evil Dead One came out. I forget which one, when that was, but it, it had been some time. 
um, between Evil Dead 1 and Evil Dead 2. And yeah, I mean, I remember that was one of the things that got me to watch Evil Dead in the first place is I was like, Stephen King said it was amazing. And one of the scariest things he had ever seen. I was like, oh my gosh. I've got, I've got and Stephen King's out. taste now, now as adults, we know is a little, maybe not the most refined. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> Are you telling me the author of Cell might not have the you know, most maybe, refined tastes? Maybe he doesn't have like caviar taste. Yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> well, he was right on the money with uh, with Evil Dead One. I think I, yeah. I love Evil Dead One a lot. I like this one more. Um, this one is like, what if we did Evil Dead One, but we had a budget? Yeah, and yeah. just had had comedy. I mean, the first one has some unintentional comedy, I think, but it's not. The first one was definitely intended to be more of a straight up horror. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this went through a variety of, of different drafts. Raimi originally wanted the movie to take place in the Middle Ages and involve time travel, but the producer said no because they're like, let's just go back to <laughs> what made the first one work. Well, and also, I'm sure if Crime Wave was a huge failure, they're probably like, we don't necessarily want to give you a massive budget <laughs> to do that. Yeah, we don't want to necessarily do what you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's probably for the best. Um, in my opinion, Army of Darkness is easily the weakest of the three. There are some real Army of Darkness heads out there, though. There I found are, through fan fiction, huge Army of Darkness, and I I don't get it. But I've also like I've also told myself I need to revisit it because I haven't in like ten years. It just wasn't for me then. But every time I rewatch the first one, then I rewatch the second one, I always stop <laughs> and I never continue <laughs> on to the third one. Um, so I don't know. It's just not for me. So let, you know, anyone listening to this who's a big Evil Dead fan, just know that going in that I'm not an Army of Darkness kind of guy. Um, another earlier draft featured Ash held prisoner in the cabin by some escaped convicts. That would have been pretty fun. Yeah, I, I read that and immediately my uh, my dog ears kind of perked up. I would definitely watch that. I also would watch a um, a Home Alone crossover <laughs> with Harry and Marv just getting like, tormented by Kandarian demons but sure but can we have ash and macaulay culkin team up yes <laughs> absolutely Please. absolutely i wish i had thought of that for my fan fiction um oh god actually i didn't really like my fan fiction was not fully ironed out and this is the most thought i've had put into it so i'll, I'll think about this a little more throughout the episode Perfect. maybe i'll elaborate on it more because that might have to be my fan fiction um, and, and, you know, another reason we say this and the reason we've been saying silly in comedy is this movie was very inspired by slapstick comedy. There is a lot of slapstick comedy in it. Um, Three well, Stooges in particular, very, and, I mean, heavy inspiration. I, I think we're splitting hairs here, but, I, you know, I'm not enough of a, of a comedy head to know the difference between like straight up slapstick and something more like, um, God, the word physical comedy. Like, oh, would yeah. You call I this, would you call this know. slapstick or would you call it more just straight physical comedy? Ah, that's a really great question. I, I wouldn't profess to know the difference. Um, my If I had to, had to guess, I feel like slapstick comedy I associate with a lot of like slapstick comedy's got a lot of like fast uh, sped up frame rates or whatever, like sped up uh, movement, um, a lot of like hitting and yeah. the, and, pra and, and Pratt falls maybe, though, I guess physical comedy. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of just guessing here based I on what I know about this film. I think it definitely contains both. Um, yeah, I would say it contains both. That's something but to look into. As to like saying, well, this is an example of slapstick and this is an example of physical comedy. I don't, I couldn't say that. Yeah, I, I can't either. Uh, so this was shot in North Carolina, Detroit. I think the original was shot 
because I think Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell like knew each other from going to school in Michigan together or something like that. I, I'm not sure exactly, but at the time that they were filming this, I think Sam Raimi, I for, maybe not Bruce Campbell, but Sam Raimi lived with like the Cohen brothers and France and Jill Cohen's now wife, Frances McDormand, and also Holly Hunter. What a what a weird That's, house to live in. Yeah, you know, um, let's get them all in a house together today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there is a there is a ton. of of stop motion animation and prosthetic work in this film uh, relative to the first one. And it is just truly delightful and no surprise to find out that Greg Nicotero and Robert Kurtzman were on the prosthetic team here. If it, if they had said like also Tom Savini, I would have been like, okay, well we've got, we've got all the heavy hitters. I do think Tom Savini was on the first movie though. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent positive on that. Well, you're definitely right that uh, the stop motion here, were, like some of the moments in this movie are silly and over the top and some of the horror elements don't quite land. But there's a few points with the prosthetics where like you could just take those scenes or those frames out of the film and show someone and it would scare the hell out of them. Yes. I'm so glad you said that because I, I would say that maybe now is a great time. We'll probably say it again. That the I think that this movie visually has aged extremely well, despite looking its age. It looks its age, but it looks its age in the way that I was thinking about it as I was watching it. When you watch good old like 50s black and white movies, there's kind of just this uh, like sheen to them. Like everything works and is of a piece. And I, I used to kind of have a distaste for 80s aesthetic. Um, Same, but but now I'm feeling like 80s aesthetic is kind of getting that sheen that like old 50s movies have for me, which mm-hmm. maybe means I'm getting old or movies are changing. I don't know what the case may be, but I, I'm getting more of that sense like, oh, this is an old but good movie. Yeah. 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 I, and I, I'm so happy that these movies like age as well as they do. I, I It makes me sad to think of like someone like 40 years from now going back and watching Evil Dead 2 and being like, what is this trash? And not being able to appreciate it for what it is. But no, it, it disappoints me knowing that there's a little boy who's going to watch Star Wars Episode 1 in like 40 years and be like, what? You mean Star Wars ep- A New Hope? <laughs> no, Star Episode War. 1. No, in terms oh. of in terms of special effects that will and will not age well. Oh, okay. One of these things ages well and one will not. I also thought your the reaction from the kid was because of the whole political trade debacle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is this movie about? No, I just want to no, see some no, fights. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, so like just kind of like from Wikipedia, I saw that there are these various like inside jokes, and Easter egg things that they fit in to the to the movie. There is like some uh, Freddy Krueger glove in there. I did not notice it. I've never noticed it. I probably read this a bunch of times and I've just like I just haven't known. Um, there is a rat that was in the cellar that you see and they named the rat Senior Cajones. Sure. <laughs> I don't know why. Just, you know, whatever. This is just a little miscellaneous Wikipedia shit. Um, this movie was released. To, I think it was advertised as Evil Dead Two: Dead by Dawn. We're not calling it that. I think it's been since just called Evil Dead Two. I think maybe the Dead by Dawn was intended to. I don't know. I, well, it's not I a think bad the, name, but no, it's not. I think it's just the idea that sequels need to have like subtitles to them. Yeah, I think but, that's yeah. overrated. So I, I I love me a good just like something something two. Yeah. Don't don't or, or don't even like I, I'm kind of sick of all the long titles, to be honest. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, different different episode. Movie movie titles. <laughs> um, the, the movie was really well received uh, from the get go, and and even now it's it's really endured. Uh, some people think it is better than the first. I think it's just kind of a matter of taste. Um, I'm not saying that people who like the first one more don't have good taste in comedy. I just I get it. Well, you said it yourself, kind of like how you felt about it originally. Like if some people just don't want comedy mixed in with their horror. And honestly, at a time, I probably wasn't like that at all. But this just was really again, it really tickles you, you in a, in a way you might not expect. Don't tell me what does or does not tickle. <laughs> I wouldn't presume to know yeah. what tickles you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think you mentioned this. This movie had a budget. Um, it definitely had a hit a budget compared to the first one. It had uh, $3.5 million and it grossed $5.9 million. So and successful. You could say that for sure. Yeah. So like, the first one came out in 1981, uh, six years earlier and had a budget of 30 or $375,000. That I believe having seen that. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is. It is interesting. So I like, I rewatched the first one last Halloween um, or maybe two Halloweens ago. And then I, or no, yeah, I think last Halloween. And then I rewatched this one this time, and it had been actually a little bit longer since I'd seen this one. And man, it, it is like night and day, the the special effects. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, first one, still great. Highly recommend it. Um, this movie is really inspirational. I mean, I, I, I don't, I think that there are some other films that came out around the same time, or maybe a little bit after, that tried to do this sort of like slapstick comedy horror thing. But I, I wouldn't say I'm like a connoisseur of that subgenre. So I don't really know. I mean, Creepshow is a little silly. Creep, yeah, Creepshow has silly vibes to it. I think um, the reason you don't hear that many, um, just off the top of my head, uh, the movie, what is it, Dale and Cooper? Dale oh, and Tucker yeah, Tucker and Dale versus, versus Evil. Like, yeah. that's, an ex- that's a phenomenal example of like modern day horror comedy. But I think in general, you can't off the top of your head name a ton of them because I don't think that a lot of them are successful. I think True. it takes a special alchemy to like blend horror and comedy that I think it's a much more difficult tightrope to walk than I think people may think. Yeah. And and no discredit to co-writer Scott Spiegel, who apparently was responsible for a lot of the comedy. I think that you can hang the success of this attempt at horror comedy almost entirely on Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. Because well, and- yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, well, I was going to say so much of what feeds into kind of the comedy elements or like maybe the slapstick elements are Sam Raimi's extreme directing style. Exactly. Yeah. Um, whereas another director kind of even with those comedy beats with a different directing style, they wouldn't land or work. Completely agree. A lot of the comedy is achieved in like even just camera movement. And yes. there's this kind of there's this one of the things I love most about this. And I'll probably repeat it when we talk about what works and what doesn't work is this movie has this such kinetic, um, like childlike energy in its camera work. It, and it's like the way that the movie plays out in general, like it's practical effects. The makeup is all incredible. But yeah, it's that it's that childlike, like excitement. Like you can tell this was made by people who were having a blast and yeah, I would the audience to have a blast. I uh, I was thinking about that as I was watching it. I was like, how much fun would it have been to be with Bruce Campbell on set when he was just doing all these ridiculous things? I bet it was a blast. Yeah. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and the last little like note is that I, what I didn't know is that the, mo- the, the video game Doom was inspired by this movie and also by the original Evil Dead, which... I, not I mean, surprising. I, I, I get like the theme of like demons from hell, but there's not much else about it that I find... <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, Demons from Hell, not slapstick, but a little more like heightened physicality, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. Should we get into it? Let's do it. Let's get into it. So this is both a remake and a sequel to The Evil Dead. It is more of a remake, and we will explain why in a second. Because I'm, I'll, I'll the next kind of section. What I'm going to do is like I'll we'll talk about the opening of the movie, maybe like almost like the opening five to ten minutes, and yeah. then we'll stop and explain kind of why it's so different than the first one and why that's a little strange. Yes. So we get this opening line in animation and, and immediately you get some like stop motion kind of stuff where like the the book of the dead like flies at the screen really fast. And it's got this like, you know, it's made of like, I don't know what, dead skin or whatever. Skin. It's got and it looks like a face. In, yeah. Yeah. So the opening line is legend has it that it was written by the dark ones. Necronomicon ex mortis, roughly translated book of the dead. The book served as a passageway to the evil worlds beyond. It was written long ago when the seas ran red with blood. It was this blood that was used to ink the book. In the year 1300 AD, the book disappeared. I like that it's a nice round number. (laughs) You know, like not like 1306, not 1321, just 1300. Yeah, keep it simple. Yeah, keep it simple. So right right off the bat, we're, we're, we're right into it. And when if you're me and you are have just watched the first one and you don't know much about the second one and you see the beginning of this movie, you are very confused. And again, I will explain why um, we see Ash Williams, played by Bruce Campbell and his girlfriend, Linda, driving to a cabin in the woods in a 1973 Oldsmobile Delta 88 Royale. The reason I bring that up is because Sam Raimi tries to fit that car in almost every movie he makes including hmm. Dr. Strange, uh, multiverse of madness. The car does appear. That. Yeah. That is Ash Williams's car. Um, we get a little like cool, very obvious shot of a miniature, like a model of a car going over a bridge. <laughs> um, later that night, it kind of, we just cut right to later that night. And it's just Ash and Linda. And that's notable. Ash, you know, is playing piano and she's dancing and he goes over to her and tries to kiss her. And she says, she feels really weird about being in this abandoned cabin. And that was at that point where I was like, wait a second. I thought that like they had a connection to the cabin in some way. And I don't think they do. <laughs> I think that the plot of the first film is that four people go to an abandoned cabin to vacation. But if you don't, if it's an abandoned cabin, where did you find it? Did you yeah, just, were you driving I, in the woods and you're like, I like that. That's a cool spot. But then don't stop there in the moment. Just remember it for later. Yeah, it, I don't, I do not get it. Yeah. Um, Ash goes to get some champagne and he finds this tape recorder, which is just sitting out. I don't know how he didn't notice it before. If it's now nighttime, but I don't know. Uh, the, the, there is a recording from archaeologist Professor Raymond Noby, who says yes. he, his wife, and some others found this Book of the Dead, which is sitting right there as well, during an archaeological dig and brought it back to the cabin to translate. He says that the passages, when read, cause spirits, um, which in Evil Dead lore are known as like Kandarian demons, which I think is something that didn't exist in t- maybe until the second one, or yeah. they're also called deadites. They say, um, like, they went to Castle Kandar. Yeah. So, like, Kandar is a fictional place uh, in this world. Yes. Um, and, it, yeah, 1300 AD medieval times. That's relevant also. To And so, like, these dark spirits will possess the living when the passages are read. And I think the the, the living, living people who are possessed by these spirits 
are called deadites. And I think the whole the lore of it is that you die. They essentially by taking you over, you are dead. Yeah. Um, and so the recording continues to play out and and the passages are read, which, you know, again, I, I say this every time I watch an Evil Dead movie. Why wouldn't you just turn the thing off? <laughs> yeah what or do you have to just lose like, just like the ring like just don't watch it yeah exactly. Like, it's really easy to defeat the sequel. exactly exactly so we immediately cut to this pov cam of a spirit heading towards the cabin where it then breaks into the room linda is in through the window and possesses her we don't really see the possession we just kind of see it's always like you see the person scream right as it re- the camera reaches their face uh, is this where uh, the doors break down? The doors break down multiple, Mul- multiple, multiple times. Points. Not this point. This is just where the gotcha. window breaks. Yeah. Because I absolutely love when the doors break. Down. I, I totally agree. Um, so really quick, let's park on these shots because this is a classic Sam Raimi thing. He did it in the first one. It is such a cool and kind of like simple. And I don't mean this, that as an insult, like cl- a clever way to show something scary or like the perspective of a demon, you know, like it, it is it is like it's fast. And sometimes like we associate horror with things that move slowly, like not just zombies, but just like a pacing of a film. Right. Like a slow burn horror movie and very like fast paced stuff sometimes is not as um, kind of as off putting and it, or as unnerving or, and disarming as as slow things. But like you get this like shot of this camera just zooming through the woods flying through the air it's always like pov you never see the spirit and it's all the camera's always very near to the ground and there's always this kind of like dark like low pitch moaning sound while it's happening it's um what it's doing is basically a chase scene in reverse right normally in a chase scene we get the pov of the person running away and the suspense of the thing coming after them yeah whereas this the suspense is coming from like we are the thing that's doing the chasing um, and for some reason it, it flips it and I think it increases the anxiety because like, Agreed. I don't want, I don't want this, this entity to catch the character. Yeah. It, it never gets old. I, they could be doing this. I mean, it, they don't, he doesn't abuse this shot. It happens maybe like three, four times in the film, but like it, he could have done it like three times more. And I James, James Cameron was going to use this kind of shot to show the iceberg hitting the Titanic, but at the really? last minute. No, I'm completely kidding. That would have been funny. <laughs> I mean, actually, it wouldn't have been moving. <laughs> so, it would, like, very slowly, like, that, over the course of 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. You actually had me there for a second. Um, so Ash comes into the room, and he notices the broken window, and that Linda's gone. And so he goes outside to look for her. And we're talking about this moving fast. It's happening extremely fast. This is, is all, like, in the first five minutes of the movie. Um, she attacks him immediately. Um it's again, this movie's like rushing through some things. And I was very confused the first time watching it. I was like, what is happening right now? This is like everything that happened in the first one, but not really. And it's only the first five minutes. Yeah, and it, it's very well, because if you watch Evil Dead and then you watch Evil Dead 2, you expect a clean continuation of what had happened in one. And you you don't get that. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's so fast. Like it feels rushed. You can you can feel it. And I think that actually is kind of like part of the comedy. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I I find it amusing. But yeah, so she she attacks him and he grabs grabs a shovel nearby and with one just one sweep decapitates her with a shovel. <laughs> and I like swinging to, it like in like a normal like random like, swing kind of like throws his arm to the side i did a double take when this happened 
<laughs> and I knew it was going to happen, but still, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty funny that he he can somehow decapitate her that easily. But she's not dead. Um, the spirit isn't dead, that is, because he, he buries her. Um, but then we see another POV shot, and it's now like around dawn of a spirit going through the woods. It goes through the cabin. It busts some doors down, which, uh, yeah, like you said, so awesome. <laughs> Comes out the front door. And Ash turns around and it hits him. And that is where the first film ends in that a yes. similar way. But in, we see a continuous shot where the spirit hits Ash. He turns around. He's like in shock. It starts like lifting him up. He's flying through the air, spitting him around until he hits a tree and falls into a puddle. Now. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say again with the doors breaking down because I can't get over it. Yeah. Um Part of what makes it so fun and childlike is when you're chasing someone as a kid, you're playing tag or doing things like that. When there are physical obstacles in your way, like a very childlike fantasy is like, what if they weren't there? Yeah. So there's almost this sense of like catharsis or like, fuck yeah. When like the camera's going through and you're like, oh, there's a door. It's going to stop. And the door just gets blown open and the camera keeps going through without like a second's hesitation. I love um, that. I couldn't agree more. It's great. Yeah. So as I mentioned, like all that, all that I just described takes place in like five minutes, whereas in Evil Dead 1, that's like the entire first movie, except not really, because in their first Evil Dead movie, there were four people. It's Ash, yes. Linda, and their two friends. And the book is not called uh, Necronomicon Ex Mortis. It's called the Nat- Naturum Demonto. Mon- De I don't know how to say it. Um, and Ash destroys it at the end, but it's just here. Um, it still exists, as we'll explain later. The cabin was destroyed in the first one, but it's not here. Um, I mean, not totally destroyed, but like pretty destroyed. Well, uh, not in the condition they find it in. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, this movie also introduces the idea of the Candarian demons. I, I'm pretty sure it's not in the first one. Um, and yeah, as I mentioned, the Evil Dead ends with the spirit flying through the back of the cabin and then seemingly attacking Ash, and then the film ends. The reason all this was changed, and especially like the casting minimized was this was due to budgetary and time constraints which which makes sense it's just it's an interesting choice it's just like yeah we don't care we don't need to explain this yeah i guess but i think having only two people at the start um it creates like almost a psycho hitchcockian um like mm. plot thing where we get the daughter of the professor and her boyfriend coming later and then we get other characters coming later but it's almost like Psycho, where the main character dies, and then we shift to like this completely different group yeah. of people. Yeah. Would you have preferred it to have had like all four of them? Would you do? You, are you? Do you have any issues with the way they start this movie? No, I like I I like doing it this way because um, if you think about Psycho, right? Like the idea is to show you how dangerous this man and this space is yeah. before our hero characters get to it. So it's doing the same thing, but it's also like our hero is already there, um, but it's just showing the danger that other people may run into. Right. And this is also the kind of like film series where none of the other characters matter. No, I mean, no, not really. (laughs) They exist uh, to die. It's all about Ash and like how charming and fun and cool Ash is. Yeah. And we can't be overstated how charming and like that Bruce Campbell is like he's not. He's a really good actor, but he delivers some lines that you would expect from a bad actor. He's no, he here's what Bruce Campbell is. Bruce Campbell is everyone's uncle. Bruce Campbell <laughs> is an uncle. Like he just is. 
his delivery, his like jokes, the way he like kind of glances out of the side of his eye. It's like if you had a fun uncle. Yeah, not not the inappropriate uncle no, that takes the no. good chair and no. like and just like says every single like conservative thing that comes no, into his this head. This is this is fun uncle. <laughs> yeah. This is the uncle you want at Thanksgiving. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Um, so back to back to where we were. Ash gets up out of the puddle and he is this is the first example of some just fantastic makeup work. We get because Ash is possessed. He is now possessed. He gets up from the puddle and we see and basically like I'm trying to think of like how to describe these like demon faces when someone's possessed. But it's like their face is like inflated a little bit like it's like they're swelling everywhere. But like their face is kind of formed into into like maybe more like I don't know what the right word is. Like you see these like pictures of like the, the devil with like these this like sculpted face. That's kind of like what it is here with like these white pupils. Yeah. And it's it, it's scary. It's almost like what if you like gave them a, an infusion of 10% orc DNA from Lord <laughs> of the Rings. It's like that kind of. Yeah. So here's a deep cut. Well, not really a deep cut, but this, you know what this reminded me of? These demon faces, especially ashes. What? The, the way that the villain looks when he puts on the mask in the mask. <laughs> that is a deep cut. If you Google that picture, okay. you'll know you'll, you'll I think you'll agree with me. Do you think it's a reference? Then the mask? I don't yeah, think so. You don't think so. But it'd be it'd be really neat if it was. Uh I think his name was Adrian or something, or da- Damien in I forgot I forgot his name in, in the mask. We should just do that for an episode. <laughs> oh my god, I would love the mask. You heard it here first. We're doing the mask <laughs> at some point. We will. We will. I don't know if we've done a Jim Carrey movie. No, I don't think so. Anyway, I don't look it up now or later or, what, or whatever. But uh, yeah, it looks just like him. But anyway, th- this is an example of what you said earlier about like you can take certain frames out of this film and show it to somebody. And it's it's pretty scary. Yeah, uh, he looks pretty scary. And even though it's daytime. So, yeah. So Ash is like possessed momentarily, but the daylight appears to like reverse his possession, which this is interesting, though, because typically I think when when spirits take you over and you die. In the Evil Dead movies, you just you're dead, and then you your body is then can be used by Candarian demons until your body is basically like dismembered or set on fires or both. And Ash is able to like resist the possession, like he doesn't die. I I, I don't know. I, I'm not asking for an explanation. I really don't need one, but it's just interesting that they kind of play around with that. Presumably, like maybe it happens just because it's like dawn, but maybe, yeah, who knows? And, and yeah, that's true. I mean, all this kind of stuff happens at night, and all the demons say you'll be dead by dawn. So maybe they, maybe they just have to take a break at dawn. You yeah, know, they're tuckered out. They're yeah. Tuckered. yeah. Um, as Ash is kind of like becoming unpossessed, there's this awesome shot, a couple awesome shots of these like to make it look like the smoke that is in the area. Like the mist is going back into these trees, and they just—they're obviously playing. I think they just probably put a smoke machine in the tree and then played the footage in reverse. But it's very cool. Yeah, it's like all the evil forces are getting drawn back into the earth. Yeah, yeah. and I mentioned he's got these white pupils, or or just all white eyes actually. But like this, like white smoke within his eyes, like dissipates and reveals his pupils again. I don't know how they did that shot, but I love it. It's a good shot. Very good shot. 
Um, so yeah, so Ash, like, cause looking around, like wondering what the hell's going on. Um, we see a very cheesy shot of the cabin with these like superimposed like eyes over the windows that, and kind of to makes the, make like the front of the cabin look like a skull. Um, and I, this is the point, sorry to jump in. Oh but no, this of is course. The point where I saw the movie the first time and I was like, kind of trying to stay with it. Cause again, I was expecting more of a straight horror movie, Yeah, uh, which this is not. And then we get to the, like, we get a lot of this cheesy stuff at the beginning, but when I got to the cabin with the eyes, I'm like, what are we doing here, guys? Like, what's even going on? That somehow makes, like, the very obvious projected, like, screen in the first one where the moon appears. Oh, my God, yes. Like, it make, that makes it, it yes. makes that look like, okay, this like is like, what what are we doing here? But um, but this time watching it, it's like, I when you know what to expect or you're kind of on board with the movie's trying to do, um, this doesn't feel like too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then this this is kind of like, I mean, like you just said, like if that was turning you off, then there's probably like the next set of events probably also turned you off because the after bridge I, scene, like my eyes rolled out of my head. The yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Ash drives to the bridge and sees it's broken, but it's not just it's not just broken. The beams that make the bridge are like gnarled and warped like upwards, almost as if it's like these curled, like gross, creepy fingers. It's like if Godzilla just busted through the bridge, but I don't, but then took the time to bend each beam True. <laughs> upwards, True. you know. Uh, and then Ash just like just screams like no, and what like indicative of my evolution as a moviegoer. Uh, I thought this was fucking rad when I right? saw it. <laughs> Totally Most agree. recent time. But like again, like I, I didn't hate it the first time, but I can totally understand how someone could hate it. Yeah. And this is actually one of the moments, and I had many moments like this during it where I was just like, could Miranda watch this with me and actually be okay? And then everyone's no. then something would happen. I'd be like, no, <laughs> no, but it is overwhelmingly silly. It but is it, quite it's, silly. Cre- it's scary enough, I would say where it where the answer to that question is no and i was a fool for thinking it um so yeah and so as he's on the bridge the or like on the border of the bridge the uh, demon comes and the camera we get another one of those pov shots the camera heads towards the car and he gets in it and drives away um first he's kind of driving reverse and so but we're in the pov shot of the demon so we see the car going in reverse it turns around uh and starts driving back towards the cabin and the demon follows and Ash crashes the car, flies through the front window, and the spirit follows him. This is another one of your like cathartic moments. Oh, I right? love it. Like the... nothing, nothing is stopping the spirit. Yeah, it goes through the back window of the car, like through the car. And he gets up and the demon chases him through these rooms of the house. It, this is just great. This is just like over and over and over again. He's just running around the house. It's it's kind of funny. It's like Scooby. He goes between the walls. Like oh yeah everywhere yeah yeah and the, and the and the demon is just chasing him and then he just like takes like he like hides <laughs> presumably <laughs> and then the demon like just is like looking left looking right and doesn't know where he is and it loses him so it just leaves it's great it's so so great um so we get the first kind of cut to events away from this which is something that doesn't happen in the first film um where professor Novi's daughter annie returns by plane from an archaeological dig with the missing pages of the Book of the Dead, because who wouldn't want to have those? 
And apparently they're like a father-daughter archaeological duo. I guess so. Yeah. And she's got a research partner named Ed who mentions that he's been unable to reach her father at his cabin. So it sounds like whatever took place at the cabin happened kind of recently. Where I think in the first one, it's unclear as to when that cabin was used um, before. Yes. So it is not their fucking cabin and they are trespassing. They well, were. we I mean we knew that much. At least. This was an anti this is an anti-trespassing movie. This is what happens when you break the law. It's like it's almost like a Grimm's fairy tale. You know, you break <laughs> the rules and look what happens. Look what happens. You get possessed yeah. by Kandarian demons. Yeah. I can't wait for you to like text me your reactions to the songs. Uh, oh, I can't wait. I mean, obviously uh, they're better like with the co- I mean, you could probably find like a recording of it online somewhere of like Tandarian demons oh, in my soul. You're 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 not far off. <laughs> <laughs> you're really not. Uh the song is called All the Men in My Life Keep Getting Killed by Kandarian Demons. So. Oh my god. Okay, I know what I'm doing immediately. <laughs> it, it is a great song. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, really, truly not far off. Uh, just, just truly wonderful. It's delight, delightful music. That was like if I, if Spotify Wrapped existed, like when that when I first started listening to that soundtrack, that would have been my <laughs> number one most listening listened to album. Um, AI of multiple is, years in a row. I'm sure, and AI is like really big now. AI art and AI writing. Um, an Evil Dead musical sounds like it was something developed by an AI, but yet it. it, it but yet it's, it's not. It comes from a place of such love for this series yes. that an AI could not replicate. No, I suppose not. Yeah. So we cut back to Ash. He's in the house. He's kind of looking around. He's all cut up and scared. And, the you know, this is when Ash, this is just a long, you know, a first in like a long sequence of like Ash in the house getting like tormented by these demons. That's pr- basically the rest of the movie. And if that doesn't sound appealing to you. Just wait, because um, well, if, if you haven't seen it, um... getting tortured by demons on paper sounds like it could be really disturbing and terrifying. And actually, now that I said out loud, some of the things they do to him are disturbing and terrifying, but they're also really fun. They are fun. They're fun for us. They wouldn't be yeah. fun for me if I was no, there. No, no. It is funny, like how this stuff is really silly when we see it. But if I was there, even if like it looked as cheesy as it does and it was happening to me, I would shit my pants. <laughs> If my own hand attacked me, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> More on that in a moment. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the yeah, piano starts playing by itself. I think it's the same song that Ash was playing for Linda earlier. It is um, because I listened to everything with the subtitles on and the subtitles literally said the song from previously plays. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Um. So he looks out the window and he sees the cross. This, this is like, this is, I think the most, this is, this is straight out of a kid's movie. In a way, but it's great though. It is great. Like I mean, I mean, obviously, it's not like totally out of a kids movie because the corpse is naked, as we'll say. But, um, but like, th- just this is like Nightmare Before Christmas type shit. Like he looks out the window and he sees the cross that he put on Linda's grave falls over, and then Lin- Linda's headless, decaying, naked corpse stop motion pops out and starts dancing and twirling around. It like bends down and like Linda's Linda's possessed severed head like rolls up the oh, arm and onto the body. So good. And she just keeps like taking her head off, putting it back on. Um the music is like so lighthearted. Yes. It, <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. It's like out of a totally different movie. If 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 it wasn't obviously like if it wasn't like a naked corpse, even if it was just a corpse, I'd be like this could pass for a PG Timber movie. Yeah, no, she's extremely naked. Very, she's very naked. 
Um, I mean, decaying corpse like naked. So not like, you know, there's good naked and there's bad naked. This is bad naked. According to you. Oh, yeah. 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 Hopefully according to a lot of people. Uh, But yeah, continues to dance, like takes his head on and off. Uh, and then seemingly like leaves, but like leaps away. <laughs> like, <Yes>. like, ah. <laughs> um, and then it suddenly appears in front of the window with Ash and attacks him. Uh, get a little mini jump scare um, and starts like, you know, knocking Ash's head into the wall and stuff. Uh, and then her head falls off again. And then Ash wakes up like sitting in his chair in the living room and is just like screaming. And before he even has a chance to think about whether or not that was a dream, Linda's severed head falls onto his lap from where? I don't know. Uh, It says like, hello, lover. Hello, lover. (laughs) And then bites his hand. And this is like, I mean, we're just, I I mean, obviously things have already gotten silly, but this is just going up to 11 now. One of my favorite things in movies is when they're clearly using a prop instead of like a real baby or a real hand or a real whatever. And they just beat the shit out of it (laughs) in a way that you would never do with your like your real head or hand or whatever the case may be. But he beats the shit out of this head like and his hand like around this room. Yeah. Like it's just just hitting it everywhere and then decides like, all right, I'm going to go to the work shed. And he sees like the vice on the work on the workbench, and the camera. I love, I love that it does like a close zoom um, on the vice. It's just it's just such. I love that it shows that even in like these tiny moments, Raimi can be playful. Um, yeah, and it's it's tiny little moments like this where I was saying earlier these kinds of things. Like I completely glossed over my first viewing, but it's like it's little movements like this. It's little camera twists. It's little zoom ins. Yeah. Um, that keep you engaged and like make the movie really fun. Well, I mean, assuming like the movie lost you at the beginning, it probably you it'd be hard to kind of get you back on board. You kind of must have already been tuned out. No, you wouldn't be like, oh, that zoom in on the vice was fun. I'm back in. Right. You couldn't be. <laughs> you couldn't be. It, the charm was lost on you entirely. It yeah, sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Um. <laughs> so he puts Linda's head in the vice, and it starts mocking him about like Linda being dead and the soul belonging to them. And I love, I love that. That's like, like every Evil Dead movie where they just like mock the living, and it's it's great. And Ash just just points at it and goes, "You're going down." <laughs> and so he looks through the chainsaw and sees it is not there. And the moment he sees it's not there, before we even have a second to react, Linda's headless corpse comes through like her body comes through the door just waving the chainsaw around and attacks ash he deflects it um causes the chainsaw to cut the corpse and just shoot this like black blood all over him yeah Uh, he he manages to like parry the chainsaw and then it like flips backwards but because there's no head it just connects with the backside of the of (laughs) stump it's her stump it's it's wild yeah um, he gets the chainsaw away from it, and then he then he uh, turns to Linda's head to cut it up, and now it doesn't look possessed. And this is another thing that like the Candarian demons do that I love is that like it turns her back to normal, her like head at least, and says like, "Please, Ash, don't do this." And she's like crying, and Ash goes like, "No," <laughs> and then chainsaws the head, which we don't really see; we just kind of see it in like silhouette. But there's this great shot of this like light bulb swinging overhead and the blood flies onto it and it makes the room look red. Yeah. And there's nothing about the film so far that wouldn't suggest that, you know, Sam Rainey would feel hesitant showing Ash sawing into Linda's head. 
like in a very direct way, but I, I almost like it better in shadow Agreed. Um, because like he has more of a connection with Linda. She's not just some like faceless ghoul. Right. Um, but there's no, re- mm-hmm. like I, I put the points for that on Sam Raimi um, for making that mm-hmm. decision because I, I don't think he would also have a problem like just cutting up her head in front of the camera either. Totally agree. And and like and we should say, like, even though Ash has a connection to Linda, we should we should stress that the movie doesn't really at any any point attempt to be dramatic. In no, like I a, think in a real is, way. This I think is the this most is dramatic like the, it gets. Yes, yes. Which is still like not very like we believe no. that they were dating, but you're not supposed you don't. It doesn't matter. Right. No, no. like it's not like Bruce Campbell's not winning awards for his emotional acting here. No, you know. So Ash heads back into the cabin with the chainsaw and grabs a shotgun uh, to boot. And this is when like things in the house start like moving around. First of many more times or sorry, I guess the piano already happened. Uh, The chair starts rocking and there's this like hilarious, like high pitched, like ghost woo sound (laughs) as the chair moves there. We're fully this is movies like completely bananas by this point. And what like the sequence that happens next is one of my favorite sequences in like in movies, period. Um, Just some absolutely incredible physical acting by Bruce Campbell and just the epitome of like the slapstick of this film where he so he tries to touch the chair, I guess, presumably like. To see what was what's in it, um, even though there's nothing there. But he stops all of a sudden and it seems like he's possessed again. He like tries to like gather himself. He like heads to the mirror. He's like, I'm fine. It's fine. His reflection then comes out of the mirror and grabs him by the neck and just says, we just cut up our girlfriend with a chainsaw. Does that sound fine to you? And the way he says it, like Bruce Campbell's delivery is so good. Yeah. Um. And then it's see, you know, he's getting like choked by this hand. And then we get another shot of like Ash just choking himself. And you're like, okay, well, he's going mad. This is, this is fun. I mean, I've seen this before, but like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, but then Ash's hand becomes possessed, the hand that was bitten. And it starts like looks, looks possessed. Like it looks like veiny and like grosser. It's got like claws on it. And it starts moving on its own. And there's, I, and I cannot. I, I was struggling to find the words to describe what sound is playing at like as the hand moves through right now. And then the rest of the scene, how would you describe it? It's almost like it's a little like um, the sound cousin it makes in the Adams family. Oh yeah. Kind of, which is interesting because the Adams family also has the moving hand. So if you right. just like put those two together. Right. It's like this like light, high high pitched like squealing voice but not like annoying it's just it's just silly yeah and so he realizes what's happened and he just starts yelling he's like you bastards you dirty bastards give me back my hands it's pretty good yeah uh we get the, a little bit of an interruption here it's an odd time to cut um not a fan but i whatever um minor complaint uh, Annie and Ed are approaching the bridge and they see that it's out and they meet this repairman and his girlfriend or his repairman, Jake and his girlfriend, Bobby Joe, classic Bobby Joe. Name. Apparently Bobby Joe was inspired by Holly Hunter. Oh, okay. I don't know if Holly Hunter should be insulted or not. I don't know. I, I, maybe a little bit. The reverse shot of Bo- Bobby Joe is she's trying to look tough and she like spits out something, presumably to pack tobacco, but it's a really bad spit take. 
I think it would. I think it's supposed to be sunflower seeds. Oh, well, it looks really. It looks like they could have gotten a better take, but they only did one. Yeah, yeah. this like drool hits her face. <laughs> yeah, like it's it not does. a very flattering shot. No, it's not a good intro for her. <laughs> Poor Bobby Joe, but yeah, Jake's. I mean, the other thing is that like Bobby Joe is like a traditionally like I, I don't. I would say she's an attractive woman, and Jake is just this like schlub of a repair van. He's not like, even a schlub. Team. Like Kevin James is a schlub. He's like a. I don't even know, like a backwoods, yeah, like ghoul. Yeah, it seems like a backwoods ghoul, like met like a college like senior, and yes. they're just like hanging out. It's yes, like a sorority girl. It's weird. maybe it's like her research project, and he doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know. Yeah. Um, he so Jake says there's another trail to get to the other side, and he agrees to show it to them for a price. And he but it, they also say like you have to carry my bags, and so he agrees to do that. So now we get the 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 conclusion of the hand scene. So we I'm trying to think of like the best way to describe this because and all of this like can't be over like overstated. It's like how good this is. So Bruce Campbell is just I mean, his hand like I'm, I'm just trying to like do it right now. Like you can't obviously it's a, not a visual medium, but like to make my hand look like it's acting independently and that I'm not moving it myself. But it looks so fake to me, to myself when I'm doing it, but it doesn't look that fake when it's happening with Bruce Campbell. Almost to the point where I'm like, is that not his hand? Well, because he, the hand in this scene seems to be so independently minded, whereas like I'm trying to do it right now. And obviously Bruce Campbell is an actor and has a lot more practice than me. Um, but the hard part is that you're also controlling the whole rest of your body. Yeah. And it's like you have to split your brain in half. Yeah. Um, very difficult. Very. And I also don't know how he did this without like, like spraining his wrist. Yeah. But anyway, his hand is like acting independently and like he goes in the kitchen and he tries to put his hand under water in the sink. I could, I guess to drown his own hand. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but I love the instinct. And, but as he's like, he's like kind of relaxing and the hands in the water, the hand exits the sink water and then grabs a plate and just starts smashing plates on Ash's head. <laughs> <laughs> and then starts punching him and throwing him around the room, grabbing more and more plates and bottles and smashing them on Ash's head. This is full on slapstick. And yeah, this is slapstick for sure. Yeah. And I think they do some of that, like speeding up of the footage for like comedic and exaggerated effect. Um, you know, kind of like, like, like examples like the Benny Hill music yes. playing when like things are being chased. Da, yeah. da, 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 da. Exactly. Um, so Ash is like momentarily knocked unconscious. I feel like unconscious, you actually need to be unconscious for longer. I don't, or like you can't just be unconscious for like two seconds, but he's dazed. He's dazed. Yeah. But his hand keeps moving. So he's laying on the ground. The hand, and we get like the camera work is so good. It's like not the hand's POV, but the it frames the hand like the hand is now a new character. Yes. Um, the hand like gets its own shot. Yeah. And it notices a butcher's knife across the floor. And then it starts pulling itself and Ash attached to it while Ash is like unconscious, like pulling itself across the floor, like grabbing the floor and pulling. I I don't know how they did it. I guess I could have looked that up. I'm sure that information's online. I love that so damn much. I, I, I Do they have him on like he's sliding across the floor of someone just behind him, like out of frame, pushing him. I don't know, but it makes it look really alien because it's an impossible movement like yeah. to move your body with just your hand. Yeah, it's so cool. 
it's, it's like real. It feels realistic in you know, in an unreal, you know what I mean, in an unrealistic situation. It seems well like beca- it because the way they're doing it is pra- like a physical, practical effect. Yeah, that, like that's why if they did it, you know, if it was Evil Dead twenty twenty three, let's all go the fuck to the moon or whatever, <laughs> it would have been all CGI. Yeah. So as the hand reaches for the butcher's knife, Ash, who is not unconscious after all, stabs his own hand with a knife and says, like, that's right. Who's laughing now? Who's laughing now? And he screams that as he chainsaws his own hand off. (laughs) And ton of blood is just like hitting his face. And Ash is like fully mad at this point. Um, There's even even, like showers of blood running down his teeth. Like his entire face is just like soaked in blood. Yeah. And it's so over the top. It's like Kill Bill volume one over the top. But and and again, it adds to the comedic effect. I don't find this like scary at all. It's just it's so it's so ridiculous. Um, We get another shot of Annie, Ed, Bobby, Joe and Jake, uh, who's now carrying a lot of Annie's luggage is are heading towards the cabin. Another weird like way to cut back. I feel like there are other times they could have cut to this or they didn't need to show them again. Whatever. Minor, minor nitpick. So. We cut back to Ash's severed hand, which is still moving on the ground, and Ash puts puts a can on top of it, and then weighs the can down with books, including at the very top of Farewell to Arms. Incredible. Gotta love such, it. Such an R.L. Stein joke. That's <laughs> Okay, now that I say it out loud, I think that's what clicked for me. I think Evil Dead and Sam Raimi and R.L. Stein, they all like share a sensibility that I appreciate. I think it was this moment where I was like, Miranda would love that joke. Yes. Even though maybe not the rest of the movie. Uh, but yeah, the hand escapes uh, from underneath the cans. Then Ash starts looking for it and he starts trying to like track it as it runs like on the other side of like a, a wall and it's like trying to shoot it with the shotgun. And like there's a moment where the hand gets caught in a mouse trap and Ash laughs and then the hand gives him the finger as the silly music plays. It's just, again, fully lighthearted. We're in full comedic territory still. And Ash kind of like is like shooting blindly and supposedly hits it through the wall because some blood starts dripping through a hole in the wall. The fakest looking blood you've ever seen. So fake. And then yeah. he walks. I mean, all the blood is pretty fake looking, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you're right. And then he approaches the hole in the wall and a ton of blood, like a fire hose of blood starts shooting out of the wall and like out of all different holes in the wall that he's been shooting. And he gets like soaked, but it's weird. It's like, it's like light red. And then when you see him, it's like black. Well, then, it cha- it changes from red to black as it's spraying. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And then there's this kind of re- another one of those reverse shots that shows the blood go back into the walls. Also very, just so cool. Which normally those shots like can be really cheesy, but here with the smoke earlier and with the blood, like I think it's used to good effect. Yeah. And so if the hand sequence was my favorite thing or like one of my favorite things in all movies ever, this is a close second because specifically the moose. Because this is the scene where the house just starts, <laughs> everything starts laughing at him. High this is pitched, my favorite, like silly. Yeah, this is my favorite scene of the movie for sure. And it's totally fair. I, I mean, I, I guess I could go back and forth between the two, but it is, it is specifically the moose that's mounted, the moose head that's mounted on the wall, the demonic moose head that starts know, for, it all. For me, it was something about the laughing lamp. Oh, the yeah. Way the lamp is moving. Yeah, yeah. But the the moose is like legitimately scary. Like it's yeah. funny. Like the head. Like it, it is again. Like we've all seen kind of like a moose head or what some you know kind of like taxidermied head like on the wall. It's very like it, it can't move. There's like 
I mean, obviously it's dead, but like, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's very like, looks straightforward. Yeah. I mean, but it's this, supposed to be like a sculpture. Yeah. Yeah. But this head is like moving about its neck and can move side to side with like, it's like gross teeth and like kind of its jaws like offset, like the lower jaws like offset. And it's got like the possessed, like all white eyes mouth open. And it's, it look, looks legitimately scary, even though, and it's in like a creepy or it's in a very lighthearted moment, but it starts laughing. <laughs> and the books start and the like on the bookshelf start rattling back and forth the the, the, the i think what you're talking about the flexible desk desk lamp like the yes. pixar lamp kind yes. of like in a way or it's just got it just starts like moving its head up and down as if it's just like hee-hawing <laughs> <laughs> yeah um ash obviously starts laughing maniacally too um i mean everything in the move like the the room starts like moving like the couch cushions start like fluttering and stuff um like it, just Laughter permeating the entire room. The camera like zooms out. We see everything in that room just like moving while the laughter continues. It's so good. Um, so this good. this moment ends when Ash sees or hears hears something outside and shoots blindly, finding nowhere no one to be there at first. And then Jake and Ed suddenly just like rush into the house and attack Ash and knock him to the ground. Um, things move pretty quickly, I think, for the rest of the movie. It does. I, I mean, the whole movie is just a nice, like, what, like 85 minutes? Something like that, 84 yeah. minutes, yeah. And this is kind of like the beginning of the end. But I guess, again, like the whole movie takes place like in the cabin. So it all, it all it's again, very fast. So they kind of look around the room. They're wondering like where Annie's parents are. And they see the chainsaw and they see blood. And they just conclude that Ash murdered her parents. I mean, it's not the craziest thought to have. It sure isn't. But they so they throw him into the to the basement. Which, if you've seen the first Evil Dead movie, I think this this is specifically for the for the fans who have seen the first one. They're like, no, you do not want to go in the basement, right? Um, and he doesn't either. Even though I don't think he's been down there yet in this movie. But so Annie with, with Ash now in the basement, Annie and company like they listen to the rest of the recording that Ash had started earlier. And they find out that her mom, Henrietta, was possessed by a Kandarian demon. And so her dad buried her in the cellar because he was unable to bring himself to dismember her corpse. Ash is hearing all of this, too. And then so immediately, Henrietta, uh, Henrietta's corpse pops out of the ground in the basement with this like, worm in her head um, and attacks Ash. Fun fact, Henrietta is played by Sam Raimi's brother, Ted Raimi. And he had he was so hot in the all latex costume that he said it was filled with like like he was swimming in his own sweat. Ugh. And I, I believe that is not an exaggeration. No, I believe that, too. And again, with the effects like this looks great. It looks so great. Yeah. And like some of the some of the the additional like Henrietta adjacent um, creature work is just also similarly yes. very, very great. And so. Yeah, and it's weird. Like it, like it looks like a demon woman's head, but then it kind of corners him on the stairs, and then through some camera trickery, it turns into a different demon head that is kind of a little bit more resembling the possessed possessed face kind of theme, right? Like it's like a like yeah. inflated. It's like a little like warped and twisted. It looks more like a almost like a man's head, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's more. It's a little more otherworldly than human resembling, I suppose. It's like Gollum-ish. Yeah, maybe. Bit. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, 
And so Ash, you know, is freaking out and they, he's like begging them to take him out of, uh, of the, of the basement. Um, and Henry, they, they help Ash get out and Henry attacks all of them, flings Ed away. And usually like in Evil Dead, if you get just attacked, most likely if you get like bitten or just even punched, suddenly you just get possessed. But like that never happens to Ash. I don't get it. Again, I don't need an answer. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Um, they end up trying to close the cellar door on her head, which like is great uh, because they step on, they like jump on it and it's like slams on her head, which causes her eyeball to fly out and into Poppy Joe's mouth, <laughs> who I think swallows it, which, you know, she's done for <laughs> from that point. And I think that was done using a ping pong ball. They mounted it on this like spinning motor to get it to look like it was like spinning and attach this like little like some member to it that was like attached to the camera. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have no idea how to do a shot like this. Yeah, very, very cool. And so now Henrietta looks normal. Uh, the classic Candiri move of trying to lure people into letting them out uh, or just to lull them into a sense of false security where it tries to lure Annie um, by singing like a lullaby to her, I think. And also like is like... <laughs> I love it. It's like, no, I'm real. Like, I know your birthday. (laughs) It'd be funny if Annie was like, no, but she knows my birthday. It must be her. Um, But Ash is like, no, 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 no. It's not her. But then suddenly Ed jumps up. He is now possessed. He's got the possessed face going on. And again, like love, just absolutely love, love, love his his like demon face. His is one of my favorites. His is the one with like the double set of teeth. Yes. Oh, so good. It's so good. Uh, and he like bites off some of Bobby Joe's hair. Poor Bobby Joe. Yeah. She's really not having a good time. Not that anyone is, but um, we get a little bit of uh, classic Dead by Dawn screaming. I think Ed and Henrietta start screaming it. Got to sure have do. a little bit of Dead by Dawn. And Ed attacks Jake, too. He throws him into the ceiling. That one's a little silly. And so Ash grabs an axe and starts cutting up Ed and green blood is flying everywhere this time. Yeah, the the coloring of blood is kind of random and strange. Also, depending on what scene it is, if you look at people's shirts, they have some colors of blood on them in some scenes, but yeah. then not others. Like, it's very over the top. It's very silly. Do you think that they just like ran out of red blood and that's I why think, they used green? <laughs> honestly, maybe like they used a lot of red blood so they, far. They really did. Yeah, it must have been a huge part of the budget. Actually, I don't know. I don't know how much fake blood costs. Um, but yeah, so Jake looks outside. He notices that the trail they came in on is gone. We don't actually see this, but he just describes it. I think it's kind of neat. Um, it's probably something that belongs in an actual horror movie. And by that, I mean like a serious one. That's like um, a that's like a Lovecraftian idea. You go into yeah. the woods to a cabin and then you turn around and the trail is gone. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that's 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 a very scary kind of notion, but it seems a little out of place here because at this point we're in full on cuckoo bananas territory. Don't you, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, doesn't that doesn't it feel like it belongs in a movie that's more straight horror? Well, they've also demonstrated that, like, even driving away from these spirits won't stop them. So, yeah. you know, it I don't know. It's, it's, it's not really a complaint. It's just like it's odd. It's an odd choice to me that they're just it seems like they're trying to like, like, actually, let's say something that might be really scary. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, agreed. It's it, it's a it's a love, very Lovecraftian kind of like creepy notion. But yeah, he's like the woods swallowed up the trail that they were on. Um, so we get a shot of the clock pendulum swinging, and then it suddenly stops, and the room goes completely quiet. 
And then we get this kind of like roadrunner noise, <laughs> like this, like the spirits are like zooming around the room as quickly as they can. Everyone's just like turning their heads to follow it. Um, great sound design. Just again, full comedy. Like it's just like a mixture of like zooming, like the engine of a car, some screaming noises some and like some chittering and scurrying. It's, it's very, very cool. I love a good chitter. I love a good chitter. Yeah. Do you ever chitter? I chitter, I chitter, I chuckle, I I do many things. I don't know if I chitter. I don't know if I'm a chitterer. Well, let's let's not find out. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do it now. Yeah, yeah. This has to feel natural. But yeah, so the spirit of Annie's father appears. Or like, yeah, it's weird. This is very weird. <laughs> At this point, I just don't care. You know, like I, I really don't care. I'm just, I'm having a good time. Well, uh, at this point in the movie too, you're having a good time. And at least for me, it was like, okay, what's next? Like what crazy thing is next? Right. So like the spirit appears and is like, you need to read the passages that Annie found in order to save everyone. And in this moment, Bobby Joe is like, Jake, you're holding my hand too tight. And then he finds out that's oh, actually Ash's severed not. hand. Mm-hmm. So Bobby Joe runs away. Um, but the trees like attack her, grab her, and pull her away, which looks also very silly. Yeah, and that's kind of a reference back to the first movie where the trees kill another person. Well, they well they don't kill someone; they possess them, basically. Yeah, <laughs> won't go into that scene. Uh, controversial scene, sort of. Uh, very anti nature. <laughs> Yes. Uh, did I tell you that on ChatGPT, I uh, had it write a screenplay about a tree that takes revenge on the federal banking system? <laughs> and it did write a screenplay to that effect. That's that's amazing. I maybe have not. We'll, sorry, go ahead. Maybe we'll act it out for an episode. I, I haven't played around with ChatGPT because um, I know that's a slippery slope for me. Like I just would get addicted to like seeing what it can do. But if I did. Write, if you write write a screenplay about and then fill in basically anything, it will do it. So a, a, a an attorney friend of mine asked uh, ChatGPT to write a season desist letter as Morpheus doing the red pill blue pill scene. That's great. It's it's great, <laughs> and it really can do anything. Um, so yeah. Anyway, so Bobby Joe's dead. I don't think we really see her again. Uh, and Annie starts reading some of the pages. Um, or starts reading through it. And one of those pages, for a moment, we see someone who looks like Ash. And she says that that's the hero from the sky who appeared and saved the Kandarian people from the demons. Hmm. Hmm. It's not like it like pauses on him and you know, like, it's he's like, that looks like me. Like he doesn't even say that, but you can catch it. Yeah. Especially if you know where this movie goes and where the next movie goes. So Jake then is kind of like fed up with this shit. And he's like, he forces Ash and Annie at gunpoint to help him find Bobby Joe. A demon approaches Ash uh, again. Um, we get like the zooming shot and possesses him. And so Ash is now possessed again. And Annie stabs Jake with a Kandarian dagger. as She runs away, kind of mistaking uh, him for Ash. Ash tries to, to attack Annie. She pulls the knife out. And then, but Henrietta pops out of the cellar as Jake's like laying on the ground and pulls Jake in and kind of Annie grabs his legs. But so like Jake's like head and like upper body is being is like underneath the like in the basement sort of. And suddenly a ton of blood just starts shooting out. I don't know what she's doing to him, but it's better left to our imagination. Yeah. 
So, but yeah, as he's getting pulled in, he's like screaming and she's like, shut up. Ah, uh, Jake, we hardly knew him. <laughs> um, Jake's got a good moment in uh, Evil Dead the Musical. But uh, so Ash tries to kill Annie, uh, possessed Ash, that is, again. But he reverts back to himself when he sees Linda's necklace, which is something we saw earlier in the movie. Yes. So the end of the movie, just I mean, it's just rapid fire. So Annie goes to the workshed with Ash and helps him saw off the barrel of the shotgun with his chainsaw. And um, he attaches the chainsaw to the stump where his hand used to be. I mean, it works for Link. Link can get a new hand. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, and this is where we get the, I forgot, I don't think it's in the first one. This is like, became an iconic Ash line where he just goes groovy. groovy. Oh, yeah. Love it. Which uh, Earthworm Jim stole. Well, Earthworm Jim sucks, and we're still talking about Evil Dead today. We're not talking about Earthworm Jim. But Earthworm Jim's great. No, Evil Earthworm Jim sucks, and no one cares about it. And there's no Earthworm Jim reboot. Damn it, Aaron! You're breaking my heart. I love, I love Earthworm Jim. Fine. I have an action figure. Um, are you Earthworm James? I sure am. All right. All right. Yeah. Um. So Ash finds the missing pages of the Book of the Dead and and like starts fighting Henrietta. Uh, Annie starts the incantation, um, but is interrupted when she's then attacked by Henrietta. And this at this point, Henrietta is busted out of the basement and is this like floating, bloated corpse. Great. Totally great. Um, and kind of undergoes another transformation. The head transforms again from like Henrietta head back to like the, the demon head we mentioned earlier. Um, they kind of like looked at the Crypt Keeper, I suppose. They could have done this only in like shadow, uh, like some movies do, but they show you the full transformation and it's wild. It's it's like cheesy, but it works. It really, yeah. really works. Um, and then like her neck is like elongated now. It's like this full on like different creature. Um, so Annie distracts it by singing the same lullaby, which seems odd that that would distract the creature at all. Well, because um, like they're mother and daughter, right? Yeah. But I yeah. feel like her, the mother's soul is like totally gone at this point. Apparently not. But so Ash starts like cutting it up and, you know, it starts screaming like, I'll swallow your soul. And he goes, swallow this. This. Yeah. Um, so at this point, the trees around the cabin start destroying the cabin. Like they're just like literally like uprooting and then like beating down the cabin. Um. And this like tree head creature appears in the doorway. I, this isn't Henrietta, right? This is just like an actual like different creature. Yeah, that's what I understood. Yeah. And it's got this like bloody barky face. Um, there are like the heads of people who died are like, like sucked or like are part of its face. It's a little, it's creepy. I mean, it's like full on like fake, but like. It's still a little creepy. Well, it's the same as the transformation we just saw. Like, it's still a little right. cheesy, but they're showing it all, and it's at least disturbing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Annie reveals to Ash that she had actually only read the first half of the incantation and starts attempting to finish the second half. And as she's reading that, she is stabbed in the back by Ash's severed hand. Ah, uh, it's like Chekhov's, you know, Chekhov's <laughs> severed hand. Chekhov's severed hand. Um, so this like tree arm like breaks through the wall and or hand like and grabs Ash. It's really cool. Like these like barky fingers like wrap around Ash to to, to kind of hold them. And Annie is able to finish the incantation before dying. And then Ash then stabs the head 
like or like in the eyeball with the, with his chainsaw like Ugh. drills it right into its eye and it kind of at, at this moment also a time portal opens up which sucks up the demon well we don't we don't know that it's a time portal we just That's think true. that it's a we, portal th- we think that it's a portal that'll take all the demons back to like demon world right. but it takes them back to where they come from which is go on yeah so it's, it takes ash the demon and his oldsmobile and they all land in the middle ages and the yes. fakest ass group of like the worst <laughs> like costume like you went to like yes. spirit halloween to get a bunch of knight costumes show up uh these group of like knights confront him and they initially mistake him for a deadite but then are quickly distracted when a like this harpy like deadite appears super like fake ass looking like probably the most fake thing looking thing in the entire movie i have a feeling like this scene is where the budget kind of crapped out both because of the harpy and all of the knights yes and ash so ash shoots the thing with a shotgun and they all start like bowing down to him like like hail he's like the hero that came to save us and then he starts like breaking down and screaming no "No!" and that is how the movie ends so good and I know Sam Raimi wanted to make Army of Darkness and that was all in the plans. I think just having the movie end here with no continuation is better. Yes. Let's get to it and what okay. works and what doesn't okay. work. Um, I mean, we've been saying throughout what works. I, I the 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 silly energy of the movie, the 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 sound design, the prosthetic work. Like just like the the camera work, the 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 practical effects, and Bruce Campbell's acting. It's just this movie is like firing on all cylinders. I I I adore it. Well, and you pointed out rightly near the beginning that you can completely tell how much fun they were having making this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a great time. It's such a feel good movie. Yeah, it's it's very feel good. Um, it's it's like this Truman story. You know, it's not a feel good movie. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Jim Carrey I mean, strikes again. I I mean one. it though. I, yeah. mean, I mean it. This is a feel good movie. It makes me happy. It does make me happy. Uh, I'll echo a lot of what works uh, that you said. Um, but we've said it before. But Bruce Campbell deserves all the accolades uh, for basically carrying this movie on his shoulders. Yeah. Um, the other actors are fine, but they just the charisma that they have compared to the charisma Bruce Campbell has is yeah. just it's. There's a reason he became famous, and they didn't. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, the effects, like we've been saying, are incredible. Um, yeah, basically everything we've been gushing about. But what doesn't work to you? It, and this is like tr- like full nitpicking is like the weird timing of the cuts to Annie and company, like oh, the cuts away from Ash happen at odd times. But I, I get that it's kind of hard to find a good time to do that when all the events are taking place, like in the cabin with Ash. Really, my only true complaint, and again, it's not nearly enough to for me to like dock this movie any points, is I don't really love the ending. I don't really love them ending up back in the Middle Ages, and maybe that's because I don't really care for Army of Darkness. But but again, I it's I don't really care because I even if I ignore Army of Darkness, like it doesn't matter where Ash ends up because I don't care about what happens next. So in a way, it doesn't matter. But if like if I'm going to nitpick, it's like I would rather him not have. I don't know. I would have rather have had like a similar ending to the first one where like or maybe he like sucks them through this portal, but he doesn't go through the portal and then he gets attacked by a demon at the end again. And it's another cliffhanger. Yeah. I mean, either way, it's like a very goosebumps ending. Like, oh, they didn't really get away. Yeah. Um, But I, I would 
I would say what doesn't work to me, and this is again like a super minor nitpick. The movie is relatively short. We said it's like 86 minutes. If you were to expand that, I would have liked to see maybe a tiny bit more with Ash and Linda, just so that we maybe when, you know, things happen with Linda and he has to kill her and stuff, like it lands a little harder. But again, like that's really nitpicky. I think the movie works at only 86 minutes. It's like the thing in that there's no extraneous useless subplots. Like you get the movie, you get full blast plot. Even when it cuts away, it's still directly feeding into what's happening in the main plot. Um, so it's, yeah. it's tough. It's like, I don't know how valid of a criticism that is. Um, yeah, I think it's valid. Like 84 minutes is really, really short. And I think they probably could have added like, I, I don't think the movie's worse without it, but I think it could, it could maybe even have been improved if you give us another like six minutes of stuff, like get, make it a 90 minute movie. Yeah, exactly. And that's all it would take like an extra five or six minutes. 90 minutes is still short. That's still a great length. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so how would we do this as a video game? So I feel like I've used this one before, but I can't help it. I'm going to use it again. Uh, I'm thinking like a 2D Super Nintendo side scroller platformer with like you in the house. Or it's like one of those things where it's like you're you're in the house, even though the house is the cabin is small, but the whole game like takes place. There's like a woods level and then there's a cabin level and there's like or there's like 50 cabin levels and they all okay. look the same. There's a basement level. You know what I mean? Like. They yeah, take these locations yeah. and they make them way bigger than they actually are for the purpose exactly. of a video game. Yeah. And so you're Ash running around with a chainsaw and a shotgun and everything in the house is like coming alive and attacking you. So it's like okay, a platformer cool. mix with like Castlevania like combat, I suppose. I like that. It's kind of like Home Alone 2 where like you're the Home Alone 2 Game Boy game where you're walking around the hotel and like a vacuum cleaner is an enemy. Yeah. I, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Oh, um, yeah. If I were to do this, so I've been playing Diablo 3 um, oh. because I have a friend who wants me to play Diablo 4 with them. And nice. I'm like, I don't know. I've never really played any of the Diablos. So I got Diablo 3 for cheap. Why'd you pick 3 over 2? Um, Because it's newer. Okay. That's why. Gotcha. Um, Because I figured the jump from 3 to 4 would be less significant than the jump from 2 to 4. Okay. I feel like there might be mechanics in 3 that aren't in 2 that I need to know about. Mm. But I'll maybe go back to 2 someday. But... I was thinking about turning this game into a Diablo-like. Um, I think the tone and like mood of Diablo fits it pretty well, um, though Army of De- or, uh, Evil Dead is a bit sillier. Um, but yeah, I just imagine like a Diablo-like where you're going around as Ash with a chainsaw arm kind of through the haunted woods, killing demon- Kandarian demons. And you would have to expand the plot of the movie a little bit to make it work. Um, like you'd have to add missions where like Ash maybe goes to another cabin or like Ash goes to an abandoned mine to get something or, you know, yeah. random video gamey kind of stuff. Right. But yeah, that's the idea I had. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to live in the world of people dead? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. I'm so no. glad that you agree. No, no, no. I was really because, worried. <laughs> here's the thing, because normally I would be like, well, yes, because they're a ghost. So there's an afterlife. But um, in the Evil Dead, like, version of reality, like, I don't think there's an afterlife. Like, I think because the Necronomicon is involved, I think there's, like, terrifying outworld Eldridge. Eldridge Yes. And I don't want anything to do with that. Yep. Yeah. No way. No thank you. No. Yeah. Um, What fan fiction did you find? So I found two. Um, One was, is called Sharkbait. Uh, it okay. is a, it's just a Batman 
crossover, but for some reason the villain is Wal is Warren White, the Great White Shark of all villains to have like a crossover with Evil Dead. <laughs> it's very strange. I, I don't understand. Um, it's really and it, it, it's just it's stupid. What I found really amusing was is called there was a there's a author that did a bunch of Evil Dead fan fiction. Uh, the author's name or, or like profile is Lolita X Mortis. Oh sure. <laughs> Um, this one's just called Dawn of the Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 Remade. And it's weird. Like, okay, so there's there's 10 chapters, or it includes a prologue and an epilogue. And each chapter is like a lot of like, not like run-on sentences, but it is just like first person perspective from from Ash. And like there's like double space, and just it's just weird. I don't know. It, it, they're really, really short chapters. Like an example, like the very, the very end is chapter eight attack of the evil woods. And that could be, yeah, it's just like me and Annie were about, they spelled were wrong. Me and Annie were about to sit down after all that shit happened. When trees started out banging on the windows till they break them one, then three, then seven, then come alive, storming the cabin where the vines and roots attach themselves to the back doors and floors, screaming and haunting voices as they, if they refuse to lose the two mortals outside, a huge stump rises up revealing to be the actual rotten apple head yawning. It's huge, grotesque mouth. This is all one run on sentence. You know, people don't think punctuation is important. They don't, but but here here's this is what's really funny. At the end of the epilogue, there is this author's note in bold that says, "Sure, you realize how much detail I put into each of these chapter, each of these chapter. Reason of which is not I'm truly inspired by ideas which were used in Evil Dead Two or from games such as Regeneration, with most of a few touches of my own to give it that sort of epic feeling with wow. <laughs> which what the whole series was about." Well, I mean, I I think that's a noble effort. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a uh, thank you, Lolita X Mortis. They've okay. done some Mortal Kombat fan fiction. They've done some Army of like, a lot of Army of Darkness stuff. There's a lot of Army of Darkness fan fiction, and I was trying to find something that had nothing to do with Army of Darkness. Fair enough. I I found something that has very little to do with Army of Darkness as well. Okay. Um, I won't tell you the title because I feel like it gives it away. But I will tell you the author is called The Sacred and the Profane. Okay, very poetic. Um, very poetic. Also, I often check the chapters when I look at a fan fiction. This one is a complete story. Okay. Uh, and it's 15 chapters long. No, 24. Oh, my goodness. Is it a classic like they clearly gave up after like 10 chapters? Uh, I'm going to give you some chapter titles. And I'd like you to take a wild guess at, at to who may show up. Okay. So chapter two is called Azkaban and the Vulgate. Okay. Chapter six is Goodbye, Gaia. Okay. Chapter seven is Life in the Meiji Era. Chapter four is Meeting Avalanche. Chapter oh. 21 is Smash Melee. What do you what do you think is going on here? What? <laughs> yeah, so I'll read you. Uh, it's called Ash Goes Horcrux Hunting. Um, it is a crossover where Ash meets D from some vampire anime that I'm not aware of. Okay. Um, Harry Potter, uh, the, all the Harry Potter characters and all the characters in the universe of Final Fantasy VII having adventures. And the characters from Super Smash Brothers show up at some point. And they get sent back to live in the Meiji era. I Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I, care, I picked up Azkaban. And you said Meiji and you said Avalanche and you said 
smash melee. It's like, yep. what on earth is going on? Um, also, in this uh, version of events, Ash is canonically gay. Okay. Because very not? progressive, uh, very, very silly, progressive. but very, very progressive of them. Um, Kirby shows up, and oh, we of have. Course. Here we go. Here's a line. Final match, quote, Ash and Tifa versus Crazy Hand. Then a gigantic handful into view. All right, let's get this party started, the hand said. <laughs> My final heaven, Tina screamed. Crazy Hand started smoking and then blew up. Smoking, P-A-T-R-Y, because I gotta. That's the I, mask. That's the mask. Well, Ash said, running up to Tifa, who was still unconscious. <laughs> yeah. So that's you know, what I found. You know what they say like about porn, about how like you can think of what, anything what, and there's a porn they say for about it. Porn, James, that they that there's a porn for everything. If you think of something, someone's done it. And it's porn. rule thirty-one, right? It's it's this is like exactly like fan fiction, and I'm not including porn fan fiction in that. But if you did, obviously everything's been done. But like every possible permutation has been thought of and written about in fan fiction. Yes. And the marriage of say, all the things you just mentioned should not exist. It's an abomination. We should say, though, that when we were looking at fan fiction, there is like mountains of Army of Darkness, Evil Dead. Oh, my fan. gosh. There is so much fan yeah, fiction. There's a lot to go through. And I think there should be, but not the kind we both just described. No, absolutely not. Like, I feel there's enough in this world to warrant some fan fiction stories. Not where you and Kirby have sex with Ash, who is canonically gay now, uh, with, you know, in the Meiji era with Cloud. Right. Yeah, I don't need that. But I do yeah. like I, I want to build off my idea of the Home Alone fan fiction. I think that it'd be really great if like Ash was uh, or the Evil Dead Home Alone crossover where Ash was like babysitting his nephew, Kevin McAllister, <laughs> uh, in this abandoned cabin. And then Harry and Marv like chase him. They've escaped for after the uh, from jail after the events of Home Alone 2 lost in New York and kind of come across the cabin and unbeknownst to ash kevin has made his way into the basement and reads the passages and this is like a this is like an evil dead like origins type thing this isn't like ash knows what's going on right. it's not he hasn't experienced this yet or else obviously you wouldn't go to that cabin but yeah so so the candarian demons start tormenting them and harry and marv show up at the wrong time and they get tormented too, and then they get possessed. And then, like, for at first, uh, obviously, Marv gets possessed, and like Harry has to join up with uh, Kevin and Ash to try to like kill Demon Marv. But then, obviously, Marv like you know attacks and kills Harry, who becomes possessed as well. I mean, obviously, and then like, and, ob and then obviously when they're being chased around by the demons, Harry and Marv. Kevin lays all sorts of fun kooky traps involving like marbles under rugs. And I mean, this thing writes itself. It really does. Yeah. I'm not really doing much. No, 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 no don't give any credit to me. Okay. Can I give you mine? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So uh, this is again, like basically a reboot, like none, none of this has happened before. Okay. But let's say instead of focusing on Ash, we have Linda, who has pages of the Necronomicon, and she's flying, let's say, transatlantic to get the pages home to her dad, but she starts reading them on the plane. Oh my god, and I love on it. on the plane, like, Kandarian demons start possessing people. That's amazing. That. that would be amazing. And all the whole time, they're trying to keep the Kandarian demons out of the, the cockpit. Yes. But they're they can't get in. 
but like they're trying to and they keep trying to like get the pilot to open the door by pretending to be certain thing certain people yes oh my god i love that so that's my idea that's excellent thank you that's see that just proves it fan fiction should write itself we both just came up with great ideas i mean it's all gonna be a moot point because ai will soon write all the fan fiction that's really depressing (laughs) it's depressing It, it makes me sad um well speaking of being sad what else have you you've been up to i'm not being sad i'm very happy uh i well as i texted you yesterday i dipped my toes back into monster train and man it's it just never loses a beat um it's just wonderful and the reason i did that is because i beat tears of the kingdom hey congratulations yeah I, after right. 125 hours i decided i need a break and yeah, so I, I i said i've got like most of the armor I've done, I'm sure I did a majority of the side quests. Um, I did all the story quests. I took the two pieces of armor. I did my grinding that I like to do where I pick like a couple armor sets and I grind them out to to max them out. And I'm glad I did it, even though it was very hard. I think I picked like two of the hardest armor sets to do it for, including the hardest one. And did all the shrines, got all the sages wills. And I'm like, all right, it's time to finish the game. Very nice. Great game, but I've actually I'm actually going through a little bit of a Zelda crisis. Do tell. Um, I I'm really questioning whether or not tier whether any open world Zelda game is my favorite, Breath of the Wild or Tears. I think Tears is better than Breath of the Wild. I think I was saying prematurely that Tears is my favorite Zelda game. Period. But I think I might be burned out, so that could be the reason why. But I I also think I'm tr- I'm. Going dipping back into Monster Train also was just like man, a replayable game means everything to me. Right. And I I know people who replay Breath of the Wild or replayed it a bunch of times, and who will, who will inevitably replay Tears of the Kingdom a bunch of times. I don't know if I'm that guy. I'm not that guy. I don't think no, I am. I I'm I could not. see myself never playing it again, except maybe like there'll be DLC, maybe similar to the to the first game's DLC. But anyway, I'm just like replayability is everything and so i'm really questioning whether or not i can i can in all good conscience give my top zelda game spot to an open world zelda game yeah there i don't know that this is part of a longer discussion but um yeah like it feels like with breath of the wild i have absolutely no desire to return because like I did it, but I did it in Wind Waker too, but I want to go back to Wind Waker. So I don't know why I'll have to think about that more, but I, I agree with you. Yeah. And, and and the thing is like people knock Wind Waker and like playing tears has made me just feel like all those people are completely invalid. Like, like everything that all their points are invalid. Like they're like, Oh, it's takes so long to sail from place to place. Okay, sure. But it takes fucking forever to get anywhere in tears yeah unless you're shooting yourself into the sky right well even if you are sometimes there are places where you have to like float really really far or take like vehicles really really far yeah and i guarantee that it's not longer than or that it's not that it's not like way shorter than sailing in wind waker yeah and sometimes there are things to do in the interim like with wind waker you can like stop off at another island do some things there and then go to the next one and you can also warp to many places around the map at a certain point Whereas in tears, you're like, I need to go there and I need to be in the sky because I can't get there unless I'm in the sky. So I can't drop down and like see some caves on my way there. And you can if you want to walk there. 
But if you're trying to go somewhere in the sky, sometimes you need to just like be in the sky for a long time. Yeah. And exactly. Yeah. It's just anyway, I think when wake up might be my favorite Zelda game. I gotta it's, say. Yeah. I have to, once I finish tears, I'm going to have to like take a break, step away and kind of reevaluate what I think of all of them. Yeah. yeah. But in terms of like other things, I've been continuing, continuing to watch demon slayer. Uh, the new season has been great. Miranda and I have been, you know, continuing to rewatch some, um, Fast and Furious movies. Uh, we, my brothers, I saw, saw um, um, yeah, I saw Spider Man across the Spider Verse. How was it that? Was, I really want to see it. It was incredible. Like the That's first one was just like, holy shit, is this the best like animation I've ever seen? And then this one's like, no, this is the best animation you've ever seen. Oh, I can't, I can't. Yeah, wait to see it, it. it's so, it's so, so good. Uh, and I also rewatched a a movie I had not seen since college. It's called The Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. It is a Nicholas <laughs> Ni- it is a Nicholas Cage movie where he plays a corrupt like drug addict cop in post Katrina, New Orleans. And the uh, whole movie is just him that. just being a fucking like disaster of a man. And Can I add one word that would fundamentally change the movie and make it better in every conceivable way? Candarian? Vampires. <laughs> like Renfield or whatever that movie is that he just yes. made. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he might as well be a vampire in the movie, except Fair instead enough. of blood, he it's drugs okay. that, he, that he wants. Yeah. Perfect. How about you? What have you been up to? Uh, Edgar and I just moved back into our place finally after being gone for a year. Uh, so that's been a lot. That's been our last like whole half week basically. Um, but before that we started watching and we intend to continue watching the dropout on Hulu Okay. Which is an adaptation of the podcast of the same name, which Oh, that's right. Yeah, which discusses the company Theranos, um, yep. the blood testing company and kind of the fallout and everything that happened with them. Um Amanda Seyfried plays the the Elizabeth Holmes. And Naveen Andrews from Lost. Yeah, yes, it. and he yes, who I love. I think he's an amazing actor. So I definitely appreciated seeing him. Um they do a really good job. I love the podcast. Um the show kind of moves pretty fast. Um, so the show is obviously a drama, dramatized, dramatized version of events um, and kind of moves at a pretty good clip. So I would recommend starting with the show. But if you're really interested in the story, I think the podcast, The Dropout, does a phenomenal job of getting into the nitty gritty and like all the details of it. Nice. Um, so we've been doing that. Like I said, I've been trying out Diablo 3. Um, got a Nintendo gift card from one of Edgar's friends. It was on sale. I want to try it before Diablo 4. So I picked it up. And I'm having a good time with it. I laughably thought that Diablo games were too complicated for me because uh, <laughs> I knew nothing about them and I'd never played. Aren't they really simple? And I don't mean that as an insult, but aren't they, they so are straightforward? Very, they're very straightforward and very simple. Uh, it reminds me of, um, I don't know why I'm bringing it up because I can't think of the name, but um, it was on Nintendo 64. It was also an arcade game. You could be like a dwarf, a wizard. Uh, or two Oh, Ogre Battle? No, this was it was in the arcade. Oh, um, do you know well, what I'm talking about? Uh, not at the moment. Not, not enough to sit here trying to think. No, about we're, <laughs> we're definitely not going to do that. Um, but it reminds me of of like an old Nintendo 64, like fantasy hmm. um, beat em up game. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm having fun with it. Um, I also, as I mentioned, I completed my Pokedex. I think I said that last week. Yep. Um, and now I'm just uh, tooling around and it's still making new battle teams. Um, oh, once man. I get completely sick of Scarlet, I'll probably buy Violet. <laughs> God, Pokemon Scarlet. I have problems. Oh, man. I, 
Are we doing the Gollum game for next week? Yeah, I think we're definitely doing the Gollum game. Can we get it for I, PS5 I, just so we can get the best version? The Precious Edition? <laughs> yes. I think that's actually what it's called. I bet it is. No, my God, I, I would never waste money on that. I love how the game comes with an apology about how bad the game is. Yeah, you know what game they did not do that for? The Grinch? The Grinch. No, they stood by how bad that game was. <laughs> they sure did. Yeah. Um. What's What's next up uh, for you? Like, do you have any, any like big video game endeavors coming up? Like for me, I think I'm gonna play Diablo two. Okay. Uh, and I, I after like our 2017 draft episode, I I I downloaded Oxenfree and I'm just gonna play that. I think that's like five six hours. Yeah, I think so. I have the next 18 days off work, which oh, is nice. Nice. Um, this is like my little mini summer break, and then I get another summer break in August. Wonderful. So, um, yeah, I think Diablo three might be my my game for like a week. I want I want to beat it at least. I have enough time to do that, and then I'll probably move on to something else. Very nice. So yeah. All right. Okay then, guys. What it, what are your summer games? Chat or leave us a message on our Twitter at. Oh wait, we don't have one. Nope, and we never will. Nope. Bye.